good morning. Good to see you this morning. My name is Josh and one of the pastors here. Really excited that you can be with us. And for all of you joining us online as well, really glad you can be with us today too. Uh, Today we're wrapping up uh, our series through our statement of faith. And we're gonna be talking about uh, kind of the response to all of these things we've been learning and talking about as it relates to God's word. And it reminds me of the story of, of a guy who was teaching Sunday school to younger kids and he was teaching them about heaven, about kind of some of the things we're gonna talk about today. And so he started quizzing them a little bit and he said, so if I sold my house, I sold my car, you know, and I gave all my money to the church, he asked his class, so would that get me into heaven? No, they all shouted, you know, one kind of led and then everybody chimed in. And so then he asked them, okay, well, so what if I cleaned the church every day? You know, I cleaned it every day, I mowed the yard, I, I kept everything neat and tidy. Would that get me into heaven? And again, all the little kids, no, that wouldn't do it, no way. So he asked again, well, what if I was kind to animals and I gave lots of candy? to children, which they liked that idea. And, and I loved my wife really well. Would, would that get me into heaven? No, they yelled. Well, he continued and he thought, well, maybe they're a little bit more uh, theologically sound and understand the Bible better than I'm giving them credit for. So he asked him another question. He said, well, then how do I get to heaven? And they thought for a little bit and one little kid in the back raised his hand. He was about five years old. He said, you got to be dead. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, well, today uh, we're wrapping up, uh, working through our statement of faith, and what our final point in our statement of faith declares is what that response to all of these things we've been talking about looks like, and uh, the end game of all of this, so to speak. And so uh, for those of you, if you don't know, we're part of the EFCA, the Evangelical Free Church of America. That's our our tribe, our denomination, uh, loosely, so to speak. And uh, the EFCA, every church uh, is autonomous and interdependent though with one another. And uh, our unity is around one shared statement of faith. And so we've been teaching through our statement of faith. It has 10 different points to it, kind of working through what the Bible teaches uh, about life and about salvation and about who God is. And uh, today we wrap it up, and each week we've just been reading that article together. So this morning, let's, let's read this last one, then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into unpacking it. Let's read together. We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth to the praise of his glorious grace, amen. Well, hey, with that, let me pray, and then we're gonna talk about what all of that means. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, uh, Jesus, that you lived the life that I failed to live. You lived a life full of perfection and holiness, and yet uh, you received the wage that I've earned, death, and you died in my place on the cross. 
but you rose from the grave as well to give me then life. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, would you work in and through me as uh, we teach this truth today? And uh, might it be uh, your words that come through me and uh, help us to understand just the the truth of the gospel and uh, the enormity of our response to it. Work in us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, first we said we believe... uh, we mentioned the gospel in what we said as far as what we believe, God's gospel. So, so what is God's gospel? What is his gospel? Um, well, uh, that's a great question, what the gospel is. So let's, let's talk about it for a moment. Uh, the gospel, uh, that word comes from, our English word gospel comes from a Greek word, uh, euangelion. And literally what it means is it means good news, good news. And uh, you know, like then, like today, when it was originally written in Greek, uh, there is, there's a lot of things that are good news, right? Would you agree? Um, there's good news like maybe the health report from the doctor can be good news. Or uh, a war ending, that would be great news right now, wouldn't it? If that would happen. Or uh, a promotion at work might be good news. Or the healthy arrival of a new baby like, uh, like Elabelle over here. It's exciting. It's good news. There's all kinds of good news. And the definition we start here to unpack is that the gospel is good news. And then the second piece here is that it's by God's grace. The good news is by God's grace. The second thing to know is that this good news the Bible talks about when it talks about the gospel is, uh, is that it all comes by God's grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is when I get what I don't deserve. It's when I get what I have not earned. That's grace. And the good news we're talking about here is all by God's grace. Because if you think about it, sometimes good news is things that we've earned. The promotion at work, it might be something I've actually earned that promotion, Right? And so I have some merit in it. Or um, uh, maybe it's uh, the good news was the number on the scale this morning. In that case, you know, maybe you've done some work to earn that number. I, on the other hand, have done some work to earn a higher number on the scale. I don't know about you. But, but you see, sometimes that good news is earned. But the, the good news we're talking about is a, is a gift. It's a free gift. It's God's grace. And by the way, what we're actually gonna see is that it, it is actually earned, it's just not earned by any of us. Uh, because this next piece is that by God's grace, Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, uh, now we're getting to the one who earned it. Th- this good news we're about to talk about is something that Jesus earned in his perfect life. He lived a perfect life without sin. In his death on the cross, he died in, in my place on the cross for my sin. And not only this, but that he rose from the grave to prove that his death worked. And and then he gives me life. And then in our definition, we get to the payoff here, the actual payoff of the good news, and that's this, that his death, his life, death, and resurrection have brought about salvation. It's brought about salvation. Well, when we talk about salvation, we're talking about being saved from my sin, saved from the penalty for my sin, from God's wrath for sin. 
And, and, and because of what Jesus has done, he's earned salvation. And he's earned it, eternal life, he has earned it for any who would believe. For any who would believe. Notice, see, it's, it's good news because it's totally free gift and Jesus did it all. I don't have to do anything but believe. That's the good news. That's the good news of the gospel, the good news the Bible speaks of. And that we're gonna see uh, really spoken to us physically and represented in baptism later this morning. And this good news, it can really be summed up in one verse of scripture that I'll bet most of us know. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son so that whoever would what? Believe in him. Not so that whoever would get it right, not so whoever would live a good life compared to everybody else, but it's so whoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life. And when it speaks of perish here, it's not just talking, it's not talking really about physical death, it's talking about spiritual death, of suffering for my sin. Jesus says that that's the second death. That's the death to be worried about. If you haven't believed to, to die and pay the penalty for your sin. See, the Bible often uses this term believe interchangeably with some other words like trust or a turn or faith. And so when I put my faith in Jesus, I'm, I'm believing all of these things. Again, that he, he lived a perfect life, he died in my place on the cross for my sin, not his own, and that he rose from the grave to prove it worked and to give me his life. And what that does is that gets me from uh, all of, I don't know about you, have you ever sinned? That's good, we're in good company then, we can hang out, because so have I. And, and what Jesus' death does for me is it takes me from negative billions, talking about my sin, and has brought me up to zero, has brought me to even. But the problem is that zero won't get me to heaven. To be saved, to go to heaven, I don't only have to get to zero, I have to live a perfect life. I have to live in perfection the rest of my life. See, that's God's standard, did you know that? The standard to be saved, well here's what Jesus said, is that you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. That's a high bar. A really high bar. I mean, I, I can think of some of the best people I know and I would say they're really good people, but they're not perfect, are they? You could probably do the same with people you know. See, uh, God requires perfect. One, one time uh, Jesus was uh, with some of his disciples and they asked him as he was teaching, well, what must we do? to be saved. What do we have to do? What works do we have to do? Right here, see? What must we do to do the works that God requires? That, that perfection. What, what must we do? And, and here's what Jesus replied. He said, well, Jesus answered. Here's really good news. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. See, uh, on the one hand, Jesus says, you must be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. On the other hand, though, he says, uh, to earn that perfection, all you need to do, what God requires, is for you to believe. See, here's the great news, that while uh, 
the, the struggle is that perfection is required, but the good news is this, that perfect is a gift. Perfect is a gift that God gives to you by faith and, and to me. See, when we honestly place our faith in Christ, when we honestly believe these things from our heart, trusting he lived a perfect life, trusting that he died yet still in my place on the cross for my sin and then rose from the grave to give me life. The Bible says that that, that, that simple act of faith, that simple belief is credited to me or to you as righteousness, as in other words, perfection. It's not earned, it's credited. It's like the ultimate stimulus plan, just credited to your account. See, uh, Romans 4, Paul writes this, he says, now to the one who works, wages aren't credited as a gift, but as an obligation. See, if you earn it, if you work for it, you get the credit. And that means you have to do all the work to get the credit, don't you? However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It's a direct deposit into your eternal account that you are given righteousness. Perfect as a gift, do you see? It's a gift, and this righteousness is given through faith, Paul says, to all who would believe in Romans 3. And it's almost unbelievable, isn't it? That it could just be given to me free, but that's again why it's by God's grace. It's not what I deserve, it's not what I've earned, it's, it's a free gift. And no wonder it's called then the gospel, good news. Uh, but it also then uh, requires a response. It requires a response. And uh, the response is this, uh, repentance, which means to turn. That's what repentance means. Have you heard that word before? It's kind of a big uh, churchy word. You don't maybe hear it too many other places. To repent, literally all it means, uh, it means a change of mind or to turn. Uh, my son, uh, Charlie, played basketball this fall in uh, uh, upwards basketball over at the uh, United Methodist Church in North Webster. That's him dribbling the ball there. And uh, one of the things that was almost guaranteed to happen every game, because these are like four and five and six-year-olds, is that a kid would get the ball and he would take off in the totally opposite direction he or she would towards the, the totally wrong basket. And you know what would happen from all the parents and all the grandparents there? Do you know what they'd yell? Whoa, stop, turn around, turn around. You know what they could have been yelling? Whoa, stop, repent. <laughs> You've probably never heard that at a basketball game though, have you? But that's what it means to turn around, to go back the other direction. That's what repent means. And so when it relates to my sinfulness, it means to repent of my sin, to change my mind, to turn from going about life my way and to turn away from me and my sin to Jesus Christ. It's a change of mind about who I am and about my sin and my need for a savior. John the Baptist, when he came before Jesus, he came preaching that exact thing. He said, 
in the wilderness of Judea, repent, turn around for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Jesus is coming. There's a great story in Luke chapter 15. I'm not gonna read all of it this morning, but in Luke chapter 15, there was a young man who, um, he went to his father. He had a, had a brother as well. And the one brother went to his father and he said, dad, I'd really like my inheritance today. And uh, so he gave him his inheritance. Jesus tells this parable. And he took his inheritance, which you shouldn't have until your dad died. So it was kind of insulting probably to his dad on one degree. Saying, so you, you, you wish I was dead, huh? Okay, well, here's, here's your cash. And he takes off and he lives just an uh, opulent life and blows all of it. Until one day he finds himself so down and out that He's, he's begging for food and he, he ends up eating the scraps that were given to pigs. And he decides this in, uh, in verse 18, he, he suddenly has a change of mind and he decides, he says, I will arise and go to my father. This, this is so dumb, why am I here? And I'll say to him, father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And, and this is a great picture of of repentance, of, of turning in faith to Christ. Uh, see, repentance is turning back to God. Because in the beginning, when God uh, made everything, there was this perfect relationship between us and God. If you read Genesis chapters one and two, God created the garden, he made Adam, he made Eve, he put them there and uh, there was perfect relationship not only between them and God, but them and one another. I mean, can you imagine that? Never having any suspicion about another person, having perfect trust in another person, perfect relationship. But something happened. God placed them there in this perfect place and he gave them one rule. And the rule is this. Uh, well, actually, he told them a few things. He, he gave them a command to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over all of it. It's all yours. And then he just had one don't command, is what I should say. Don't eat from this one tree in the middle of the garden. And the garden was not like the garden in your backyard. The garden was like a, a national park garden when you look at the boundaries of the rivers in Genesis. Think like one tree in all of Yellowstone. Don't eat from that tree. And yet Adam and Eve, over time, what happens? They were deceived and Eve uh, looks at the fruit. Oh, it looks good. I bet it tastes good. She takes some, tries it. It was good. So she hands it to her husband, Adam, who's standing right there. And suddenly they've sinned. And immediately what happens is there's this great chasm formed between them and God. And this big separation and there's even, we read, a consequence in their own relationship in terms of their mistrust for one another. Now, earlier I said, you know, uh, I can think of a lot of good people, but I would never say anyone's perfect. And, and the Bible is a book of reality. It, it tells it like it is. Because one of the things that, that Paul tells us in Romans 3 is that uh, all of us have sinned. And would you agree with that? And not only have we all sinned, but then, uh, see, when God, when God had us together, there was this longing in our hearts for that's how life is supposed to be. And so we long for that and we search for that and we go after that in every area of our life. 
and all of life, we're kind of pursuing that happiness, that joy, whether we realize it or not. And so even when it comes to like facing death, we look into the future and we think, well, I want that back. I, I, wanna, I don't wanna go to hell, I wanna go to heaven. I wanna be with God. And, and we somehow think that if I just do enough good things, I can make up for the ways that I've offended him and that'll bring us back together. You know, like uh, imagine you're training to run and jump across the Grand Canyon and you're gonna scale the Grand Canyon. You are. You're the greatest long jumper in the whole world. And you train and you train and you train and you take off running one day, you know, and it's on TV and you're going and you make the leap and slow motion in the air, chariots of fire playing. And then what? Then it turns from uh, chariots of fire to wily coyote and 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 you fell short, didn't you? Well, see, that's what the Bible says. It's a book of reality. We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We don't make it on our own. And that's because we've all sinned and that's the thing that separated us from God. We've, we've turned against him. Every one of us have. And then what happens, I mean, if, imagine this was real and you were running and you jumped out over the Grand Canyon the lip of it. You ever been there? It's, it's huge. What would happen? You would surely die. And, and the Bible, again, in reality, says this. We've all sinned, and the wages of sin, what we earn for our sin, is death. And not just physical death, but that spiritual death I talked about earlier. That eternal death paying the penalty for our sin, suffering under God's wrath for sin that I earned and that I deserve. Do you see? Friends, I deserve that. But there's good news. There's gospel here in that uh, while I was still a sinner, God showed his love for me in that Christ died for us. He died in my place. He didn't earn it. He wasn't obligated to it. But he did it because of his love for me. He died for me as my substitute on the cross. And you know, I didn't complete when I, earlier when I said the wages of sin is death. The rest of that verse says, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life. It's grace. Perfect is a gift, do you see? And uh, the way that this works, Jesus dies in my place, it's as if uh, Jesus in his death on the cross, he bridges that gap. And so now I'm left with a choice. I can either uh, try to run and jump that gap on my own, doing enough good things, helping enough old ladies cross the street, or I can step out on that bridge and put all of my trust and all of my faith and all of my belief in it, in Jesus Christ, to carry me across. And my only response is to believe and to trust, to put my faith there. 
Friends, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And if anyone would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. So that's the gospel. And it requires a response. And it brings us back together in harmony and unity with God. And Jesus tells us that in that response, we cannot remain neutral. It's one or the other. You either jump and try to do it on your own or you put your faith in Christ. Now, I say this in love because it can, it can be received as just me judging somebody and I'm not. I'm telling you this because, again, the Bible's a book of reality and it's true. And what Jesus says is this, that whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. There's no remaining neutral on this. You might think there is, but there's not. And again, I tell you that in love because uh, your, your decision on this, your response has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. See, friends, uh, the truth is, the truth is that one day, you and I have a meeting with our maker. It's circled in red on our calendar. It might be next week, it might be this afternoon, it might be decades away. But there's no delaying it. And the reality is all of us one day will die. And then the Bible tells us that one day all of those who've died will be resurrected. That God will do this. There'll be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. And that at that point, God will judge everyone. God will. See, for everyone, it's appointed once to die and after that to face judgment. I have a date circled. I don't know when it is, but I'll stand before God and he'll lay out my life and judge me on those things. And uh, we even read this, that God will bring every deed, Jesus says, into judgment including every hidden thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. And in the end, I'll be found to be in one of only two categories. Either uh, those whose deeds are perfect or those whose deeds have not reached perfection and holiness. And to those who are just and perfect and righteous, Eternal blessedness in the new heaven and new earth awaits, but to those who are found lacking, uh, God is perfectly just. And because he's perfectly just, he can't just like turn a blind eye to evil and to wickedness. And so it has to be dealt with. If it's not, then he's really not a very good God. The question is, will I run and jump 
and leave it to chance that maybe I've been perfect? Or will I put my faith in Jesus Christ and in that bridge so that perfection becomes a gift? And it's not my works that are judged in terms of eternity, but it's Jesus' works and I'm veiled in that and my full trust is there. Do you see? And friends, that's, that's the choice. When we read that statement of faith, that's what we're speaking of, of righteous and unrighteous, perfect and unperfect. And it has eternal consequences. As we wrap up, let me just use this one illustration. You know, I, I got a rope here. It's a long rope. Anybody wanna help me? No one you wanna help me? Come help, or come help me, pal. All right, just take this rope and go as far as you can. There you go. Just keep going. Keep walking. It's a long one. You're gonna have to go like all the way up the aisle over there, I'm telling you. Just keep going, pal. You got it. This rope represents time. Now imagine that this rope, you know, he just keeps going and right there you go, that's good. You're the man. Imagine this rope just keeps going on forever. Forever and ever and ever. And uh, it really represents time. And uh, at the beginning of this rope, I've marked off a little section with some black tape. Can you see that? This little section right here represents your life here on earth. And the choices you make, this is what's incredible, is the Bible says that the choices you make in this little portion of your life determine the rest of this. That's a big deal, isn't it? And the thing that determines it is whether or not you're perfect. (laughs) Because that's God's standard, is perfection. But the good news is perfect as a gift. And so what's funny is so many of us, we, can, we spend all of our life just like, like, uh, like saving and, you know, and investing and doing all these things so that uh, when we get to like this little portion of our life, it'll be, it'll be comfortable and joyful and I won't have to work and it'll be awesome. But not realizing that for everybody, one day we all die and then we're destined to face judgment, which will determine the greater part of this rope all the way across the room and into eternity. Friends, the question before you today is, which little portion of the rope are you living for? And uh, at the end of this, of this little portion, will you have been found to put your faith and your trust in Jesus and him alone? Or will you be risking it according to your own good works, which will never be enough? The Bible says, uh, Jesus himself says, this isn't my words, these are Jesus' words, that, that those who are found unrighteous at that time will, will be cast into the second death, into the lake of fire, to pay the penalty themselves, the, the just penalty for sin under God's wrath for eternity. But the good news is Jesus did it for you. And if you trust him and give your life to him, then when that day comes, God looks not at your sin, but at all the righteousness, the perfection that's been credited into your account. And you're given new life.
eternal life. If you haven't made that choice, I commend it to you. And uh, if you have, live for this, not for this.